Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio all too often is afraid to talk about. The Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 164 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Wednesday, June 1st, 2022, two days after Memorial Day, the day we paused to remember those who paid the ultimate price to defend our freedom, five days before the 78th anniversary of the Allies' D-Day invasion to take Europe back from Hitler's Nazis. And we have a very special guest coming up in just a moment to talk about both of these anniversaries. A little bit later on in today's show after the interview, new allegations of vote fraud in the recent Arkansas primaries. Just so you understand where I'm coming from, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, last fall simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. More evidence comes out all the time. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. Also, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen, so this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now then, the greatest president of my lifetime, Ronald Wilson Reagan, once said freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same, or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men were free. So it's a great honor to welcome my next guest, the eldest son of President Reagan, and a man who fights along with us to preserve our freedom as Americans, Michael Reagan. Brother Reagan, how are you today? I'm terrific. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Wonderful to have you on. It's an honor. Now, we want to talk about the Reagan Legacy Foundation and the Walkway to Victory Project, but we're also just four days away from a very sad anniversary, the day your dad passed away. You wrote a book a few years ago, Lessons My Father Taught Me, The Strength, Integrity, and Faith of Ronald Reagan. Could you please share with my listeners some of the lessons your father taught you? Oh, wow. Um I mean, so many lessons about fatherhood. You know, my father was divorced from my mother, uh, but he, even though when he got remarried, he never forgot his first family, Maureen and I. That was so important to him and ultimately so important to my sister Maureen and I to have a presence of a father, even though he had left our house and, and had a new home with his, with his new wife, Nancy, and their new daughter, Patty, that was that's a giant lesson. I think a lot of people should pay attention to that lesson today because too many fathers who get divorced uh, forget about that first family that they had, and it it really puts a hole in a child uh, not having a father in the home and missing the father. You know, I, I tell the story a lot about you know when my father would pick me up on a given Saturday morning. And drive myself or my sister and I or myself and a friend of mine and, and drive us out to his ranch in Malibu. And he would just regale us with military songs and stories. He would sing to us the Marine Corps hymn, 
the Air Force, the, the Army, the Navy, the Coast Guard, and regale us with these songs and, and what have you. And that's really how I learned about America and learned about patriotism was listening to my father sing songs to me and tell stories to me of, of the Second World War and the history of our country and you know, how, how great it really was. But probably one of the best lessons he ever taught me, and I talk about this at the end of the book, is the story of forgiveness. Mm. When I go out and speak on that, you know, I, I, I imagine everybody in your listening audience right now, Doc, could recite the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. That's a given. Yeah. But the, the real question is, how many people live the Lord's Prayer? Wow. And, and, and I knew two people that lived the Lord's Prayer, my father and Pope John Paul. And the fact that you have two people who, in fact, were felled by an assassin's bullet, would-be assassin's bullet, yeah. within months of each other. Yeah. My father, the first president to survive an assassin's bullet. A few months later, Pope John Paul. But before either one of them went back to their presidential duties or papal duties, they forgave their would-be attackers and asked for forgiveness for them. Wow. And, and I think because of that, Doc, you have, and, I, and I'm going out to the library today to take some people on a tour, and I tell the story. I, I think because of that, God honored them, because they honored God. Yeah. And the two of them working together, and, of course, bringing Margaret Thatcher and other people in, but ultimately it was the two of them working together that brought freedom to Poland and ultimately bring down, brought down the Berlin Wall, and I don't think any of that would have happened had they not lived the Lord's Prayer, but only recited it. You know, yeah, forgiveness. You you make a great point there. Speaking with Michael Reagan today, um, because we we say uh, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, and you know, so I'm asking God to literally forgive me the same way I forgive other people. And so I'd better not hold any bitterness in my heart to people who may have trespassed against me because I'm asking God to forgive me the way I forgive them. And uh, I'm a sinner. God's got the goods on me. So I don't I don't need to be, you know, holding a grudge or, or bitterness or whatever uh, towards other people. And I, I don't know any more powerful lesson than you, that your father could have taught you than that. Oh, it was it was a great lesson because when I learned that lesson, um, it really opened up my life because I held a lot of bitterness for a lot of years. You know, as a child, I was sexually abused by a day camp counselor. Wow. I was made part of child pornography at the age of nine. Oh, my. Uh, photos taken of me. I was made to, in fact, uh, develop the photos. Uh, the My would-be, you know, uh, per, the person who sexually abused me and took photos, put his hand on my shoulder and said, wouldn't your mother like to have a copy of one of these photos? Oh my. And I walked away from my mother. I walked away from my father. I walked away from God. I walked away from everybody uh, until basically late, late 1970s, and that happened in 1953-54. And uh, I didn't really forgive anybody until later on you know, in my life. Like I tell people, I really appreciate people who can accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, and it changed their life like a 35 
milliseconds later. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of those guys that I have to accept him every every day. Yeah. I am a work in progress and remain a work in progress every single day. Uh, I compartmentalize what happened to me, uh, but that's what I do with it. And and so I had a lot of forgiveness to do, but I had to start forgiving me. I had to, you know, I, I had to quit blaming God. I had to blame, quit blaming my father. I had to quit blaming my mother. It wasn't their fault what happened to me. But I think you always try to affix blame somewhere. And the reality of it is I was blaming all the wrong people, and I had to learn to really forgive myself and forgive them for blaming them for something that happened to me that they had no cause of. Yeah, yeah. such a great point there, and such a great point, too, that shortly after uh, John Hinckley tried to assassinate your father, your father forgave him. Now, let me ask you something. With the, the breaking news that we have Fox News reporting less than an hour before we started this uh, podcast today, that uh, John Hinckley is now, because of what a federal judge has ruled, uh, scheduled to be released uh, just in, in a couple of weeks, June 15th. And, and I'm wondering if, if, if we see a distinction between personally forgiving someone and, on the other hand, saying there should be ramifications for crimes committed and perhaps this person should still be in jail. Well, the, the problem is, and people need to go back historically, that when he shot my father, the rules and the laws are completely different. Yeah. They, they changed the rules and the laws back then because of John Hinckley. And, and so he's living under the guidelines of what he was convicted of back in 1980s. If he did the same thing today, he'd be in jail for the rest of his life. Right. But what he did in the 1980s allowed him to be in, in this position. Uh, am, am I sorry that he's being let go? Yes. Uh, but I'm also uh, smart enough to know that the, if you think the Secret Service is going to let him get close to anybody uh, of importance, then I don't know you know what people yeah. are thinking. Because the Secret Service... Trust me, he's on the list. So oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They'll know exactly where he is all the time, and he will never get within range, if you will, of, uh, of someone of great importance, especially someone who has gotten uh, their own protection through the Secret Service. So yeah. I, I feel good. My family feels safe. I feel safe. Um, and that's what it's all about. And I believe everybody else will be safe because the Secret Service will certainly keep an eye on him. Uh, it, it's sad it came to this. Sure. But, again, it's the laws and the rules that he was convicted under that put him in this position. Again, as it happened, it would happen today, he'd be in jail for the remainder of his life. Uh, uh, point well taken. You know, it's a, it's a grievous thing that so many school children are not talk uh, not taught about why we have a memorial day they're not taught about d day why we fought world war 2 in many cases it seems public schools want to keep this knowledge hidden what do parents need to be telling their children about memorial day and about d day well they you know what's happened over the years is too many parents have decided to count on someone else to tell the story yeah 
And then we get angry because that person doesn't tell the story. Right. Well, then tell the story yourself. You know, take your take your kids to a to a, uh, a military uh, cemetery, uh, like like my son does with his little four year old and six year old uh, daughters, my granddaughters. He did that last year with them. Took flowers and laid them on a grave, and and was beginning to beginning telling them the story. Then he took them up to the library. Um, my daughter went up there. I think it was uh, a Memorial Day. Went up to the library that was having festivities in my father's library. You know, it, it's up to us to do it. I mean, we point for you. Well, the school's not doing it. No, the school's not doing it. So what are you doing? I, I, I remember. I remember one time I was speaking at a, a event about 400 people, and this pastor got up and introduced me and talked about what we need. You know, brother is prayer in school. We put prayer in school. We'll all be better off. And I and I got up and I I thanked him for the introduction. I said, "You're absolutely right. I agree with you. Prayer in school would help." And as I went into my talk, about halfway through it, I said, "You know, I like to ask a question of the people here." I said, "How many of you have uh, children in school right now, K through 12?" Yeah. And about 70, 70 hands went up, maybe. And I said, "That's so wonderful. I have children in school and." what have you. I said, I do also. And I said, let me ask you another question. How many of you prayed with your kids before they left for school this morning? And all, every hand went down. My goodness. And I, I, I said to the pastor, I said, pastor, the problem isn't there isn't prayer in school. The problem is there's no prayer in the home. Amen. And, and so, again, this is us looking at other people to do the job that parents should be doing with their own children. We should tell them, the, like my dad putting the right front seat of the station wagon and telling me about America and singing these songs to me. That's where I learned about it. I didn't learn about it so much in school. Well, back then you could. But I learned about it from my father and what have you. Both my mom and my father both did war bonds back to the World War II. Uh, on the day I was born, March 18, 1945, my father bought me a war bond. So, it, you know, it was, we were engaged back then. We were an angry country. We are a country that loved America, and we forgot how to love America. Absolutely. Speaking of which, what do my listeners need to know? What do they need to know about the Reagan Legacy Foundation and the Walkway to Victory Project? Well, I started the Reagan Legacy Foundation in the early 2000s, um, right after the USS Ronald Reagan was uh, christened and commissioned, mm -hmm. and I wanted to do something for the kids that served on the Reagan, so we started a scholarship program uh, where we provide scholarships to men and women who serve aboard the USS Ronald Reagan, but we also provide scholarships to their family members left home who are trying to better their education, and that's grown over the years that we've done some projects around the world, and then about um, seven years ago or so, eight years ago, I was asked to raise the American flag at the American Cemetery at Normandy, France. Wow. You'll love this one, Doc. I, can't, I, I, I was headed over there, and I was playing golf the day before I left with a kid, 25 years old. And uh, I told him what I was doing, and he, and he said to me, why is there an American Cemetery at Normandy? Oh, my. And I said to him, I said, did you think D-Day is when your report card came home? <laughs> um, I mean, it was, it was absurd. Oh, but no. I, I was going around Normandy. I said, what can we do here? 
and I went to the Airborne Museum in St. Mary's Lees, Normandy, France. First town freed by America, 4 a.m. in the morning on, on D-Day. It's where all the paratroopers are going. If you saw Saving Private Ryan or Longest Day, if you saw Longest Day, red buttons is hanging from their church steeple there. And we decided to partner with the Airborne Museum where people go online to walkwaytovictory.com and they can order a brick. It's $250, tax deductible because we're a 501c3, and put the name of a loved one or friend who served the Second World War, European theater, what, what unit he served in, what years. And then we inlay that brick at St. Mary Glee's, Normandy, France, in the walkway there that we've created. Um, the people could see for all time. You could see, anybody could see that goes there. And if you don't know someone, you can send a check to the Reagan Legacy Foundation. Just go to ReaganLegacyFoundation.org and, um, and send a check for $250. We'll find the name of World War II vet. We'll get that information and send it to you so you'll know w- which World War II vet you sponsored to have a brick at Normandy, France and St. Mary Glees. And the great thing about it, Doc, is it pays forward. That the $250, any of the dollars that are left over for the 250 pays forward to the scholarship program we have for the kids who serve aboard the USS Ronald Reagan. Well, that's fantastic. And I really appreciate you uh, pronouncing the, uh, the, the French town there because I remember looking at it last night preparing for this interview. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm not going to be able to uh, <laughs> pronounce that. So I, I appreciate that. St. Mary, Mary Glees, it is. It's really, you know, all of the, you know, there's about 9,600 grave sites at the American Cemetery. Yeah. But originally there were, originally there were 15,000. And those 15,000 grave sites were all up by St. Mary Glees. And the wife of the D-Day mayor of St. Mary Glees, they refer to her as the mother of Normandy. Wow. And you can actually go online, Google mother of Normandy, and there's a video a friend of mine put out. Uh, and you can see her story because she took care of all of these grave sites for so many years. And when the American cemetery was put together with France, uh, they gave the availability to those here in the United States and, and other parts of the world, Canada and Britain and what have you, to have their loved ones sent home or sent to the American cemetery. And so that's why there's 9,600 at the American cemetery, but there are 15,000 grave sites up by St. Mary Glees, called the Mother of Normandy. Well, my uh, my wife watches all the World War II documentaries she can find because her dad was actually at D-Day and, and one of the few that, that, that survived because, um, as your dad uh, said so movingly in his speech that he gave at Normandy on the 40th anniversary of D-Day, um, they were up against insurmountable odds, you know, getting off... Uh, you know these these uh, military transport uh, boats onto the beach and just getting cut down by the uh, the Nazis in the in the pillboxes at the top of this uh, this this cliff. You know, I, I watched your dad's speech again last night to prepare for this interview, and I would urge every one of my listeners to go to YouTube, find the speech Ronald Reagan Normandy. That's all you have to type in and watch it. <laughs> And I think one of the reasons your dad was such a great orator was he spoke from the heart. How, how do you think your dad would want to be remembered? 
Oh, I tell you, he would just want to remember the. He would want to remember everybody else. You don't have to remember him. He just, you know, he, he, Maureen and I, my sister Maureen and I, used to joke about Dad that uh, you know running for president of the United States for him was like going for your eagle badge. <laughs> uh, he, he, I mean, he was he was the Boy Scout. And if people go to that website on YouTube, <coughs> excuse me, you know, point the hawk. If you ever go there and look down those cliffs and think about that speech, you'll be amazed. Absolutely be amazed and, and just think, how in the hell did they make it up those cliffs? Yeah. And you'll really start to understand the speech. You know, my father was the first president of the United States to actually visit Normandy on D-Day. No president ever been there on D-Day Ever since then, every president since then has, in fact, gone to Normandy on D-Day to speak. Yeah, I, I remember it was it was kind of a remarkable thing that no president had done it before, and somehow your dad came up with this idea, uh, I, I guess, that, well, the 40th anniversary is coming up. I need to go give a speech uh, at, at Normandy on, on, on D-Day. Um you know, he was so great. Uh, you know, he had a way of inspiring other people, and and in fact, inspiring other countries uh, to to yearn for freedom, to uh, to throw off the the yoke of dictatorships. One of the things, again, preparing for the interview that I, I'd forgotten was that by the end of his eight, eight years uh, as president, there were so many more democracies in this world than when he started out eight years earlier, and he really used the bully pulpit to advance the cause of freedom worldwide. Yeah, he would, one thing he was really proud of is the fact, and he mentioned, I think, his last speech from the Oval Office during his presidency, uh, uh, communism didn't take one inch of land. One inch of land was not taken by communism, by Russia, by any despotic country. Um, the world became more free, you know, because of of him. Yeah. And that was before the Berlin Wall came down, you know, a year later, yep. uh, if you will. So that was something he was absolutely, absolutely most proud of, that the world became more free while he was president and no country, no nation was taken over. So yeah, I'm so glad you brought up the Berlin Wall because i got to ask you, I have read that in the lead-up to the speech that he gave in front of the Berlin Wall there, uh, that certain people on his staff kept on taking out the line, tear down this wall, Mr. Gorbachev, and he kept on putting the line back in. And now that's one of the things that all these years later uh, is just so iconic and people remember him for so clearly. What was that whole process like? Did, Did you talk to him? Uh, about his decision to uh, to say that, because clearly he knew what he was doing, and his advisors didn't have a clue. Well, it, 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 yes, advisors had a clue that they had. They really didn't have a final say. Yeah, uh, you know, dad. Dad really was. He, he was instrumental in writing his speeches. Yeah, uh, he just didn't let other people write them, and he just gave them the way somebody else wrote them. He actually read them and reread them, and you're right. He kept on taking that line. They kept on taking the line out. He kept on putting it back in. But remember, they were that same group was all upset when he called uh, Russia the evil empire. Yep. 
you know, they couldn't get over that. Um, and then, of course, the tear down the wall. And you had you had people who, you know, uh, made sure it was in there. And you had people making sure it wasn't in there. And the day he gave the speech, I don't think it was in the speech that was in front of him, but he knew enough. He knew exactly where it was supposed to be. Yep. And so he iconically, you know, gave, gave the talk and went out. But there's, you know, he had State Department is State Department is State Department. Um, you know, remember the State Department wanted him to sign on to the agreement in Reykjavik, uh, Iceland. They thought that was going to be my father's legacy was signing the deal with Mikhail Gorbachev. Yep. Uh, but my dad it wasn't. My dad didn't worry about legacies. He was worried about the world. He worried about the country. Worried about American people. And he walked. And he walked. And 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 the liberals, the mainstream media. But I I repeat myself. Uh, just freaked out. But he did the right thing. Yeah. But he told me. He told me in 1976 what he would do. And he had just lost the nomination. Yep. Uh, I said, why did you want to run for president? He said, because I'm tired of hearing, I'm tired of hearing uh, Russian uh, uh, leaders tell America what we would have to give up to get along with them. He said, I want to be the American president, sit down with the secretary generals of the Soviet Union. And while they were telling me what it was, I was going to have to give up to get along with them. I was going to get up from the table, walk around the other side of it, lean over and whisper in their ear, Nyet! I want to say Nyet to the Secretary General of the Soviet Union. And so I knew in 1986, because what he told me in 1976, what exactly was going to happen at Reykjavik, and it did happen. And a year later, Mikhail Gorbachev came to to Washington and signed that agreement that my father walked away from in 1986. Amen. Fantastic. You know, um, in, in my introduction to you in this interview, I had the, uh, the quote from your dad about how important it is to uh, strive to, to fight for freedom. Um, it's not something that just naturally happens. You've been writing some excellent columns over at Newsmax.com, including a recent one entitled, We Can't Let Uvalde Trade Away our guaranteed freedoms. What do you think Joe Biden and his minions are going to try to do to law-abiding gun owners in this country? Uh, again, it's just your your freedoms, your your freedom being traded away. It's just it's uh, uh, it's really it's it's really. I mean, yesterday, what nine millimeters? Now, uh, this is how people defend themselves. Yeah, nine millimeter. A twenty-two. By the way, it's a twenty-two that shot my father, not a nine-millimeter. Yeah. Uh, and assassins do use twenty-twos because the bullet ricochets off different parts of your innards, you know, and it does more damage. For a nine-millimeter, go through a, a twenty-two will just keep on bouncing around the inside of your body like it did with my dad. Yeah. Uh, they, it just shows they really know nothing about weapons, nothing about guns. It's all about it's all about politics. Uh, and that is that's what's truly, truly sad. By taking away nine millimeters, whatever is not going to is not going to defend schools. It's going to not is going to take defense away from people trying to defend their their own homes. And again, the people who want to take away our guns all have people defending them. Absolutely, absolutely. The hypocrisy you is know, is insane. Right. Def- take care of the schools. Take take care of the schools. You know, lock down the schools, have have gates up, have guards there. You could do these things, and everybody will agree to it. 
it's not brain surgery. But in every one of these cases, there's so many mistakes that are being made all oh, the yeah. way through the system. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and that's when children died because people waited in, a, waited in a hallway. Horrible. Horrible. I mean, I'm a father. My kid's in there. I'm banging through. The, I'm going through the door. Yeah. Yeah, they actually handcuffed one mother at one point who wanted to get in there. I mean, I'm, was... going through the, I'm going through the door. I'm going through the door. Absolutely. Just, your door's not stopping me. And thank God for the, uh, the thank God for the the, uh, the 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 federal agent from the from the uh, uh, Border, border from, Patrol, from yeah, or from you know came in and said, "I'm not putting up with this stuff." Went in and killed the guy. Yeah, he's getting a haircut and and heard what was going on. Borrowed the shotgun from his uh, barber and went in and just got past all the cops standing around uh, out in the hallway. Yeah, I yeah, I don't think we're getting the full story yet. Uh, what happened in Uvalde? Because no, the stories keep changing. We'll get the story, but right now it's really about honoring those people who are willing to give their lives, right? You know, to to, to make the world free. Amen. Walkway to freedom. Get, Amen. People can go to walkwaytofreedom.com, Get a brick. Uh, they can go to RegalLegacyFoundation.org and see what we're doing. Uh, write a check to us, tax deductible, and that takes care of a brick. It'll take care of also our uh, our scholarship program for the kids on the USS Ronald Reagan, and that's that's a good thing. Amen. Uh, you you read my mind because I I know we're about to run out of time here. I was just going to ask you about the websites again. WalkwayToFreedom.com. No, no, Walkway to Victory. Oh, I'm sorry. WalkwayToVictory.com. I apologize. Yes. WalkwayToVictory.com and ReaganLegacy.org. No, Reagan Legacy Foundation. ReaganLegacyFoundation.org. Okay, I'll try not to screw up anything Foundation. else. Foundation dot org. Reagan org and WalkwayToVictory.com. Very good. Yes. Uh, Michael Reagan, God bless you, and and thank you so much for coming on uh, the Doc Washburn Show today. We we appreciate all that you do, sir, and uh, and uh, continued uh, continued uh, victory in all that uh, that you put your hand to, and, and Godspeed. Thank you very much. Have a great day. You Bye-bye. too. God bless you. Thank you very much. All right, great man, great man, and the son of a great man. No question about it. Um, so, fresh allegations of voter fraud in Arkansas. And we got to talk about that. First of all, though, as always, we greatly appreciate our advertisers for making it possible for us to do what we do here. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, 
you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high copays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. And then that big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now. You click on the red button, you book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage. Low to no deductible. No copays. Click the big red button. Schedule a call now. Book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else, Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend, Jonathan Presswood, today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501 503-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, 
DocWashburnShow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right. Thank you, Brother Presswood. Appreciate that. Thank you, Brother Wilborn. Appreciate that. And thank you, Brother Mitch Ward. I appreciate you guys. All right. So we got some breaking news here that um, Arkansas media is ignoring, is absolutely ignoring the great Jan Morgan, who four years ago challenged Governor Hutchinson for the Republican nomination for governor when he was running for re-election and who most recently challenged United States Senator John Bozeman for the Republican nomination as he's running for re-election. The great Jan Morgan went on her Facebook page yesterday afternoon with this. Arkansas alert. Breaking news. The Federal Election Commission and FBI have verified they are investigating multiple Arkansas counties for election fraud and irregularities in the 2022 primary. The complaints are outrageous. Everything from an election commissioner having absentee ballots at his home to thumb drives with votes being lost to voter tape being left in a public restroom and machines switching votes. According to a spokesperson for the Federal Election Commission, they have received hundreds of complaints from across the state of Arkansas. Simply reporting a problem at the poll or to the local election commissioner is not sufficient. In fact, some election commissioners are under investigation as part of the problem. You must report your issue to the Federal Election Commission if you want to make sure your vote counts. The Federal Election Commission says they want to hear from you if you had any issues with the machines or witness or witnessed any abnormalities in the election process that you feel may have jeopardized the integrity of the election process in your county or our state, please contact the FEC to file a report at this link. And she links to their official website, fec.gov, and then the the actual page on how to uh, file a report with the Federal Election Commission. Now, as soon as I saw that Tuesday afternoon, I linked to, well, I, I shared Jan Morgan's post on the Doc Washburn Show Facebook page. I also shared her post on my personal Facebook page. And, um, you know, I, I just... I go back, I go back to this whole thing that for some reason we're supposed to believe that 100,000 more voters 
voted in this primary than ordinarily would vote in a primary. And that that was mostly Democrats crossing over to vote in the Republican primary. And that they were all energized to vote for candidates in the Republican primary backed by Donald Trump. Now, does that make any sense to you at all? And especially, I keep going back to this because a lot of people in Arkansas are not aware of this. The Attorney General primary. Your Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin had been planning to run for governor for many, many years. And then once Sarah got in and started raising millions, he bowed out and said, well, you know, I'm a lawyer. I could run for attorney general. Oh, okay. Tim Griffin. He had one opponent in the Republican primary for attorney general, a gentleman named Leon Jones Jr. Okay. Leon Jones Jr. from Pine Bluff. And the knock against Mr. Jones from the Griffin campaign was that he was no conservative. This guy voted for Obama twice. His brother's a Democrat nominee for governor. So it's like, you know, he's not one of us. He's a Democrat masquerading as a Republican. So we're supposed to believe that 100,000 Democrats across the state crossed over to vote in Republican primaries for Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Senator John Bozeman, Leslie Rutledge for lieutenant governor. And in the attorney general race, instead of voting for their guy, Leon Jones Jr., they vote for the only candidate in an attorney general primary in the country Tim Griffin, actually endorsed by Donald Trump instead of their guy who voted for Obama twice, whose whose brother is the Democrat nominee for governor? Does that make any sense to you whatsoever? No. No, it doesn't make any sense. And so you have uh, all these allegations about voter fraud. Uh, Let me remind you. Let me remind you. The statement from uh, Jody Harris running for state representative from Saturday morning. Here's the quote. She says, This morning my husband and I drove to Crawford County to participate in an election recount that I legally requested. After several minutes of discussing the process and asking for information that was not readily available, we have decided to withdraw ourselves from this recount. I asked members of the Election Commission to stop the process immediately. The state has intervened, and we will revisit this process in the coming days. Our goal is to ensure due process for myself, all voters, and to make sure every legal ballot is counted in a transparent manner. The Crawford County Election Commission could not provide original copies of absentee ballots for this district. In fact, the chairman, Mr. Bill Coleman, 
had to leave the recount facility to return to his home and retrieve the original absentee ballots. Mr. Bill Coleman is the brother of Representative Bruce Coleman, who recruited and publicly endorsed my opponent. Thank you for your patience as we attempt to get full transparency of these election results. Now, wouldn't you think that an election commissioner taking absentee ballots to his home, thus destroying the whole idea of chain of custody, wouldn't you think that that would probably be breaking some sort of law? You know? And I don't want to hear, ah, relax, Doc, it's Arkansas. It's always been this way. No, no. I don't want to hear that. Um, this is outrageous. Now, I, I will say this. I will say this. So, one of the comments that I got, was it on my personal page or was it on, my, uh, on the Doc Washington Show page? That must be on the Doc Washington Show page. Hang on. Let me, let me grab it real quick. But one of the comments that I got about this situation was from a friend of mine who said, I don't know, the fact that the FBI is now involved tells me that, quote, there's nothing to see here, unquote. And, you know, normally I would go with that. Because the FBI, if nothing else, they specialize in covering things up, okay? So you'd be like, eh, nothing going to happen. The FBI's looking into it. Look at all the stuff they've been covering up in Washington. Look at all the stuff they've been covering up nationwide. So normally I would say, yep, probably right. But, but, here's the thing. If Republicans are actually involved in voter fraud, do you think the feds would hesitate to bring charges? Uh, I don't, I don't think they'd hesitate for a moment. Again, now, this is not Democrats stealing a general election. If Republicans are actually involved in the voter fraud, um, maybe this would be the FBI's time to shine and say, look, see? See? We're indicting people for voter fraud. Well, they happen to be Republican, but, you know, because they definitely wouldn't indict Democrats for that in other states. You know, so now, now we find out that the FBI has been maintaining a workspace, including computer portals, in the law firm Perkins Coy, the legal arm of the Democrat National Committee and Hillary Clinton. The FBI, I guess, really does work for Hillary. They have been maintaining a workspace in this law firm in Washington, D.C. since at least 2012. Did you hear about this? Um, I would say this is kind of a big deal. Matt Gates, Congressman Matt Gates, broke the story on the Tucker Carlson show last night. 
So I wonder, I wonder if anybody, if anybody in the mainstream media in Arkansas is talking about it. So I'm doing a little search here in ArkansasOnline.com, which is the it's a website for for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, which is the biggest newspaper in Arkansas. Just uh, just typed in uh, FBI. And Perkins Coy. And I bet we're not going to get anything. I, I mean, they, 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 they say that Sussman, Michael Sussman, Hillary's lawyer, was found not guilty yesterday. Well, of course he was. It's called jury nullification. You know, you have jurors in that... Uh, you know, for for the the charge of lying to the FBI, you have jurors there who were basically Democrat assets. He wasn't going to be found guilty of trying to help Hillary. Doesn't matter if he lied to the FBI or not. So I'm just looking at the. Um, the Democrat Gazette's website and the um, websites for the TV stations in, in Little Rock, Arkansas. And I'll bet you every one of them is ignoring this bombshell that the FBI has had a workspace in a DNC-connected law firm for 10 years. Yep. KRK doesn't have it. KTV doesn't have it. Democrat Gazette doesn't have it. And, of course, the KRK doesn't have it. Fox 16 doesn't have it because they're their sister stations. One more. The most liberal television station in Little Rock, THV 11, the one that had a story about me a few days before the election, before the primary, calling me Doc Martin instead of Doc Washburn. Nope, nothing. Nothing. So what I want to do, I I, I just want, I, I think you should. Under the no, 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 this. no, not this. That shouldn't start playing. All I'm trying to do is type something in the search on YouTube, and next thing you know, some video that is not connected to anything comes up and starts playing. Well, it's YouTube. So anyway, I owe you. I owe you. You need to hear what Congressman Matt Gates said on Tucker Carlson's show last night when he broke the news. 
because this is uh, this is a remarkable occurrence. Absolutely remarkable. The FBI had for um, at least 10 years, the FBI actually had an office inside a DNC law office? Really? That's, uh, if that doesn't trouble you, if you're like, yeah, why should that bother me? I can't help you. I can't help you. So we'll uh, we'll play that for you when we come back. Because this this is extremely extremely troubling. All right. Um Yeah, that's coming up in just about uh, about 3 minutes here. As the Doc Washburn Show, the voice of the resistance, continues. Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton, make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt on the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195. Or visit justamintonlaw.com today. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. 
If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right, thank you very much, Dr. Crabtree, Arkansas Cervical Center. And thank you very much, uh, my friend, Justin Minton, my friend and attorney, Justin Minton. Appreciate y'all. All right, you need to hear... And this is less than four minutes long. You need to hear what happened when U.S. Congressman Matt Gates went on the Tucker Carlson show last night and delivered this bombshell that all media in Arkansas and mainstream media across the country, really, because, look, 65% of the people who download our podcast are from outside the state of Arkansas. All mainstream media across the country is ignoring this. So much going on, you may have missed this. A jury today comprised of several Hillary Clinton donors acquitted a lawyer called Michael Sussman of lying to the FBI. Now, who's Michael Sussman? Sussman is a former partner at the law firm Perkins Coy, the biggest Democratic firm, the firm that represented Hillary Clinton's campaign. And in that capacity at Perkins Coy, Sussman laundered false information about the Trump campaign to the FBI. So a pretty tight relationship between Sussman and the FBI. We're learning tonight much more about the connection between the FBI and Sussman's former law firm, Perkins Coy. Congressman Matt Gates and Jim Jordan have just received a letter from Perkins Coy's attorneys. This show can report exclusively that in that letter, Perkins Coy admits the FBI has maintained a, quote, secure work environment within Perkins Coy offices for more than a decade, going back to 2012. What? According to the letter, quote, Perkins Coy is responsible to the FBI for maintaining the secure work environment. That workspace, whatever it is, is still in operation today. Ever heard of anything like this? No one we spoke to has. Matt Gates is the man who found this. He's a first member of Congress from the state of Florida. He joins us tonight. Congressman, thanks so much for coming on. Um, this is bizarre. Tell us what it is and what you think it means. We got a report from a whistleblower that we confirmed through multiple admissions, including this letter, showing that the Democrat Party's law firm, the law firm that received $42 million from the Democratic Party, has this co-located workspace that they operate in concert with the FBI. Why in the world would that be the case? Why would Christopher Wray allow it to continue? Then you also have to ask yourself, why within the last 12 months was the person on behalf of Perkins Coy operating that uh, that worksite, Michael Sussman himself. And we heard through this trial that you just referenced that the FBI believed Michael Sussman was lying to them in 2017 when he was shuttling false information about Trump into the intelligence process. And now we learned for four years after that lie, Michael Sussman was in fact operating this secure work environment. So what reason would there be for that and what leverage would the Perkins law firm have over the FBI given this work they're doing together? So I I know that this story, to the extent they can, will be ignored by the media. And to the extent they can ignore it, they'll say, well, this is just normal. There are good reasons for this. You're an attorney. You serve with a lot of other attorneys. This is not normal, correct? 
I have spoken to former federal prosecutors on the Judiciary Committee and throughout the country, and I have not heard any describe a relationship like this with a private law firm, and especially because Michael Sussman was an election lawyer. Why in the world would an election lawyer be operating this facility in this way? And our concern is that politically motivated dirt was being converted into politically motivated investigations. That's why Jim Jordan and I are making demands for answers on Christopher Ray immediately. And it's, all, it's my hope, certainly, that we shut this facility down. The Democratic Party shouldn't have this special access, special portal to the FBI, especially knowing what we do now, that they were often trying to take this opposition research and then use that for law enforcement and counterintelligence purposes. Yeah, you can't politicize the country's biggest law enforcement agency. I mean, that's completely third world, and you've borne the brunt of that, uh, as, as we both know. Congressman Matt Gates of Florida, I appreciate you breaking that story for us tonight. Thank you. Amazing. We'll stay on them. Thank you, Tucker. How about that? How about that? The first response here I see on Twitter to this is, it says, while Robert Mueller was head of the FBI. How fitting. You do realize none of this matters. Nothing will be done. Government will continue to be criminally corrupt. Lie to the American people and protect the institutions. Meanwhile, y'all can campaign off of it. Same blank, different day. Wow. How about that? The FBI. Having a private workspace inside the Democrat National Committee's main law firm. Wow. The corruption continues. The corruption continues. I I guess I shouldn't be, but I'm flabbergasted. You know, and uh, the FBI itself put out a something on Twitter yesterday. Um, on a normal day, this would be the tweet of the day. We're, we're not quite there yet. But it says, what kinds of crime should you report to the FBI and how can you contact the Bureau in the first place? Visit FBI.gov slash tips to learn how and where to submit tips and complaints and what happens after you share information with us. There were uh, a number of responses, people saying things like, you've been so responsive and helpful with Parkland, Uvalde, Larry Nasser, and more. Hats off. Not. Somebody added Waukesha, Las Vegas, Nashville, Christmas Day, and the beat goes on. Another response, I'd like to report a crime of weaponizing our government institutions against the American people, an all-out war of felonies and treason along the way. Who should I talk to besides you, since you were involved every step of the way? Another person said, the call is coming from inside the house. Know what I'm saying? Yeah, they they were just pilloried mercilessly, mercilessly. So people just laughing at them, like I can't 
take you seriously on this. Another one said, don't you guys have a future school shooter to be grooming or something? You know what I'm saying? Oh, oh, here's a good one. Do FISA forgeries count as crimes? Because, again, remember, the federal lawyer who lied, and the federal lawyer who lied and said that... Um, what was the name of the guy that they were the FBI was surveilling Carter Page? Lied and said he had not been an asset to the CIA. Changed the wording when, of course, he had been a spy for the CIA in Russia. And they took it to the FISA court. Nobody's been held accountable. Another response here to the FBI saying, here's how to report crimes. Ever heard of 2,000 mules or are you not allowed to look at that? Another one said, what if you're reporting a crime committed by the FBI? Right? Another one said, don't report Larry Nasser sexually abusing young girls. The FBI won't do anything about it. Do report a garbage pull rope in Bubba Wallace's garage at Talladega. The FBI will send 15 agents to investigate immediately. Another response to the FBI. I'm not really seeing a reporting problem here. What I see is incompetence on every level of doing your jobs. I've lost count just how many balls were dropped in my lifetime. Ruby Ridge, Waco, Nasser, Russian Collusion, Pulse Nightclub, Epstein, Whitmer, Parkland, etc. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Another response, what about lying to the FBI and committing treason? Sussman proved that's fine. Yeah. Apparently reporting mass shooters before they kill people to you doesn't ever work, so I'm guessing you'd be more interested in kidnapping governors. Yep. Yep. Here's another one. Your credibility has been stolen. FBI is a clown show. The U.S. government's own Gestapo. Who's doing something about that? Here's another one. I have a tip. The FBI is a criminal organization. Should probably investigate. And it goes on and on and on. It goes on and on and on. However, however, that in and of itself is not the tweet of the day. No, I tell you, I tell you, I love this part of the show. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, the big old car dealership in the middle of the United States, America that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States, anywhere in the lower 48. Okay, so this is one of those two-part tweets of the day. NASCAR. NASCAR out there this morning on Twitter saying, as we celebrate the LGBTQ plus community, 
We acknowledge that recent actions have not aligned with NASCAR's mission to be a welcoming sport for all. We remain steadfast in our communities to create a more inclusive environment in our workplaces, at the racetrack, and in the stands. And they have this big thing, Happy Pride Month, with all these different rainbow colors. And the great Jesse Kelly uh, talk show host out of Houston says NASCAR feels comfortable doing this because you will sit down you'll still sit down with your family and watch the races they spit in your faces constantly because you're too weak to do anything about it 90% of NASCAR fans hate this but they all watch and they all cheer Anyway, and so he had a response. He said, all sports do it at this point. What's the alternative? Literally everything has gone woke. There's almost nothing that can be consumed, sports, entertainment, etc., that doesn't flout this garbage. And Jesse Kelly responds, I'll be honest with you. It's been pretty easy cutting sports from my life. I do miss NFL football a lot, but college helps me get my fix. Dumping stuff like Disney Plus was painless. More reading time now. They're great alternatives. Dump NASCAR. So there you go. There you go. So, thank you, Mitch Ward and my friends at RedRiverYourWay.com for sponsoring today's tweets of the day. Now, from time to time, I look at... As I do the live stream, because most people who listen to the Doc Washburn show are listening to the podcast after the fact. But oh, from time to time, I look at the the comments that we get in real time doing the live stream on the Podbean app. And somebody here said, I cut NASCAR two years ago. Don't miss it at all. But somebody else, going back to a subject we were talking about previously, says, Doc, are there any protests for Colonel Reynolds planned? We need to rise up. Um, Not that I know of, but I believe that Colonel Reynolds has people investigating the situation. And, um, again, Jan Morgan says the Federal Election Commission and the FBI are investigating the situation. So, um, you know, Keep on checking out the Doc Washburn Show podcast. Again, we are the voice of the resistance. We push back against the Uniparty. And keep on checking out Colonel Reynolds, Conrad Reynolds, and Jan Morgan on social media because I'm sure they will be letting us know what their next steps are, what they have planned to do next. And um, I hope to be able to get Jan Morgan and or... Colonel Conrad Reynolds on the program soon to talk about what's going on and to talk about what their plans are. Um, because again, we got to push back. We got to push back. So, you've been listening to episode 164 of the all new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show, do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. 
Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier X. And that's the way it is. Wednesday, June 1st, 2022.